Okay, so today, today, I want you to know that my homilies for Saturday night and my homilies for Sunday morning at this point are often completely different homilies. Like I start with a premise, I think I know what I'm going to say, and then 10 minutes ago as I'm sitting in the presider's chair, the Holy Spirit knocks me over the head with another inspiration of how this set of readings today is just like a stack of pancakes. I could also be a little hungry, I apologize, but today's readings are saturated. It is dripping with symbolism. Maybe you hate that word. It's pregnant with symbolism or symbology, as I like to say. That's not a real word. But anyway, we could talk about divorce. Who wants to hear about that? Show of hands. I'm kidding. Keep your hands down. No one, because we've heard many, many discussions and homilies about divorce and remarriage. Have we not? I know I have. I'm 35. I've heard probably too many. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what the church wants you to see that's lying underneath. We can always mind the easiest translation, I'm sorry, the easiest interpretation of scripture. What does Jesus talk about? What does the first reading talk about? Marriage, the indissolubility of it. Great. If you have an irregular marriage, if you are married, uh, sorry, remarried after a divorce and you've not received your annulment, please just come to talk to Father Tony and I. Often it is very easy to work through, but do it, okay? Now, is that enough divorce talk for all of us? We good? Thank you. Right. <laughs> Moving on. So here's what I want to talk about instead. From the beginning, God has a plan of salvation, right? When sin enters the world, God enacts this plan. He knows everything. He knows that if he creates human, they're probably going to fall. Okay. But before they fall, God creates us in his own image, and he says it's not good for man to be alone. In fact, that's the very first, re uh, first line that we have from the, the book of Genesis today. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. Okay, so first of all, if we are made in the image and likeness of God, then we know that we share characteristics and qualities of God. What do we share in this line? That we are not meant for solitude. We are meant, we are made for community. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for woman to be alone. We are made to be in community. How do we know that? Because God is a communion of persons. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the community, community of the divine. And so if we share in that, then we should also have community. So the Lord speaks first in creation about man and his need for community. And what do we see right after that? He takes from the man. He takes from his rib and he creates new. He has life brought forth from his side so that a new thing that did not exist would now begin. And it would be perfect and it would be the helpmate, and it would be the partner. It would be everything that man needs. Now we look to the gospel, and we see that Jesus is again talking of divorce and the hardness of heart, and he hearkens back to this idea that man and woman are created one flesh. And that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And St. John Chrysostom tells us that we can look at it on that level and be very happy. But we can also take it and look deeper. For John Chrysostom tells us, if two persons who God has joined together are not to be separated, 
Much more is it wrong to separate Christ from the church, which God has joined him to. So what we often want is Christ, but without the cross, right? Like we want a message of prosperity, of goodness, of happiness. We want the Jesus of the gospel who goes around healing, preaching, and teaching. That is the Jesus we want. But that is not the Jesus of the cross. Or we take the cross and we have an idea of a vengeful God, a God who is willing and wanting to smite us at the smallest infraction and that we will never be able to earn his mercy, his love, or his forgiveness. So we either take the cross without Christ or we take Christ without the cross. But not too often do we marry the two together and see the beauty that comes from duality. Okay, so let me take that a step further. On the cross, beautiful that we have this here, such a big corpus on this cross that you may see truly the wound in his side. Where is that wound located? On his ribs. What comes forth the moment Christ is pierced in his ribs? The church. The church is born, theologically speaking, ask any seminarian, they will tell you the same answer. The church is born, theologically speaking, the moment Christ's side is pierced and blood and water flow forth. For blood is the Eucharist and the water is baptism. So he gives us the sacraments through his own flesh. And in that moment, the church is born. And what does it say in Genesis? This is what the Lord hit me with as I was sitting here. It's, what does he say of the woman? This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. What gender do we always assign to the church? The church is historically and will always be Holy Mother Church. She is a woman. This is why men priests marry the church, because we don't believe in gay marriage. This is why women religious marry Christ, because they cannot marry the church. Gay marriage, again. So, we have at this moment the Lord bringing forth the beautiful church, which is woman, from his side, so that we, as man, mankind, would have everything we need. We would have a suitable partner. We would know what we are missing, and it would be provided for us out of the providence of the Lord. How beautiful is that? Jesus, while he was 100% man and 100% God, is the perfect marriage of humanity and divinity. He is the exemplar, that one particular case that we always look to, the precedent that has been set for us to rise to the occasion too. We emulate him because he was perfect in his duality. But he was perfect in his simplicity. He was not two different people. At the same time, fully God and fully man, something that our brains cannot comprehend or fathom. This mystery is perfectly embodied by Christ on the cross because there is no division in him. There is no Christ without the cross and there is no cross without Christ. We must have both. And so the Lord prepares us for great and glorious things when we follow him. But he also prepares our hearts to want suffering when he prepares us for great and glorious things. He builds us with confidence, knowing that, yes, it will be hard, 
but I have already given you everything you need from myself. There is no better gift that we could get than the Lord physically from his side birthing forth a church that will meet and supply all of our needs that are lacking. So my brothers and sisters, we cannot take just a message of prosperity and say this is the gospel. We cannot just take a message of suffering and say the Lord wants me to be miserable for my entire life because these are both heresies and fallacies. What we need is to remember the beauty of Christ on the cross for this is the vehicle of the Redeemer while he redeems. It is a true thing of beauty. So like Simon of Cyrene, may we be willing to pick up our cross whenever the Lord asks us. For just in the words of John Chrysostom, we can never divorce Christ from the cross. But when we embrace fully both suffering and joy as the Lord gives them, he changes our hearts and he makes us joyful in all things. One of my favorite axioms of seminary that I learned very early on is that no matter how dark, how terrible, or how sad and painful a situation is, deep within us, there is some spark of hope, a glint that it could be better because the resurrection happened. And in every joy that we experience, there is a feeling of unfulfillment, a slight bit that is still lacking because of the crucifixion. But we need both. We cannot divorce one from the other. We need to fully embrace the, the joys that the Lord gives us and know that he is preparing us through those joys by changing our heart, by allowing us to be more converted to him every day, that he is preparing us for those sufferings that purify. So we look to Christ that we may never lose sight of the beauty and the savagery that is contained in the cross.